I'm sure that if you've been working for a while, you know that underperforming peer. You could probably list a list of names for me right now. And I'm here to tell you that if you want to be a manager and you are currently working with an underperforming peer, this is your litmus test. This is a test of whether you will be a good manager or not. And people, the senior leaders in your organization, will see if you overperform and get this right, they'll see you and they'll put you on that management track. Welcome to Management Material. My name is Katherine Vanderlaan. I started my career at the bottom as an assistant and worked my way up to become the boss's boss in eight years. And man, I love management. If there's anything I've learned, it's that what got you to where you are now won't get you to where you want to be. This is a podcast for top performers who also want to be amazing managers. I've coached lots of talented people into their dream jobs as managers. I challenge the way they see the world and say what they don't necessarily want to hear. You see, management is all about leadership. The best managers were leaders long before they had any direct reports. Management material is all about getting you from where you are now to that coveted seat in the corner office. Let's turn you into management material. Welcome to Management Material, episode 42, Handling Underperforming Peers. Oh, this is a fun one. Actually, this is a good episode to listen to if you want to become a manager, because I'll tell you what, if you are on that road to managing your own team or just becoming a junior manager at this point, you're probably going to run into peers, colleagues who are underperforming. And the managers around you kind of use that as a little bit of a litmus test for whether you will be a good manager or not. It shows your character. It shows how you handle working with other people. It shows whether you are proactive or reactive. It shows a lot of things when you are working with somebody who is underperforming, at least at the time. So So how you handle yourself when you have an underperforming peer, well, that might be your make or break moment. Let's get into it. So first I want to say, and I feel like I've been apologizing a lot lately, so I'm going to come up with another system. And yes, okay, I got hit by a bus at one point and then I got COVID and and whatnot. Now construction has started up right next door. So I'm having to find a little bit of a different schedule and a different time to record these podcasts because I'll tell you what, you don't want to hear the construction next door. That will not make this podcast fun to listen to. So anyway, it is horribly cold in Boston. It was about five degrees outside this morning, which is for all of you folks not in the Fahrenheit scale, that's about negative 15 Celsius for all of you in countries that like to make things easier for your citizens. Anyway, I was coaching a client the other day and he mentioned getting frustrated about a colleague of his who was not performing their job duties to the standard he thought they should. So that's key. Listen to that. Listen to the words. So we had a good, we had a good chat about it. 
Now, this client of mine wants to be a manager, so let's look at it from that perspective. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that getting to management is about 50% what you do and 50% how it looks to others or is received by others. So it's about 50% presentation, as some people call it, and 50% work or like what you do, the work that you actually do. Let me tell you a story. That conversation with that client of mine reminded me of a story from my own life. So let's get into that now. In a previous career, and actually in nearly every job that I've had, I've worked with people who seem to like to socialize rather than doing their job. Ding, ding, ding. Does that ring any bells, guys? They seem either oblivious to the fact that people are counting on their work, are actually looking forward to getting their work and are counting on it to do their own jobs, or they honestly just don't care and they're at work to socialize. They like filling up that social bucket at work and they don't realize how many hours and hours and hours a week they spend socializing instead of doing their work. And so their projects end up being late or half done or not done well, and they are what I would consider underperforming. Now, I'm I'm not someone who doesn't care. And if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that I care deeply about the work that I do. I care a little bit too much about the work that I do. I bring a lot of energy to the teams that I'm in and the work that I do. And so when somebody around me is not putting very much effort into their jobs that they're being paid for, I get a little annoyed is a way to put it. So back to the story. I was running a team as the product owner or product manager, I was called, but I was I was operating as the product owner and the decision maker on one of the top investment new products in the company. All eyes were on our team and our output. And I mean all eyes. There were presentations to board members. All eyes were on our team. It was a sink or swim game. If the product did well, our careers were made. If the product didn't do well, well, we might not be at the company long, right? So you get the pressure. You Can you feel the pressure? It was a lot of pressure. So now when senior leadership gives you enough investment to get into a new market, so it was like a little startup within a larger company, when they give you that much investment, it was a lot of investment. They expect a few things from you, like regular reporting, customer data, and and reaction data, you know, product testing data. And they expect a product build schedule that makes sense and makes the company a lot of money. They also give you a team to work with. They give you a team of hand-picked experts, depending on how much faith they have in the product, right? So, but but generally they'll give you a team of hand-picked experts, people they think are going to help this succeed in the best way possible. So I had that team. I had that team. I was the product manager and product owner. I was I was working with this team, a lot of investment, a lot of pressure. We were getting it done. And this one team member, I'm not sure what her, well, I worked with her for years, so I do kind of know what her deal was. But this one team member was not keen on doing work. She really did not understand that she had to give a lot of attention to her work. This was her full-time job, was working on my project. And, well, she had another project too, so working on two different projects. 
And so for a while, I thought, well, that other project just might must be taking a lot of her time. And I started making excuses for her. And then I started just asking her to consult and we would do the work. But none of the things that she said were working out. It wasn't going well. And so then I started talking around and asking, okay, what's she doing on this other project? How's it going? And I found that she was just consulting on that project too and wasn't doing the work. And so then I asked around and and asked, okay, well, how was she in previous projects? What did she do? And I found that she consulted and she didn't really do the work. And so, so I thought about it and realized that she was putting in maybe generously a maximum of 10 hours a week of work. And it was all consulting work. And it was a pretty cushy job. So I, I got a, I don't know. I don't know if you can hear this in my voice. I try to keep myself pretty even keeled here, but I was getting mad. I was getting pretty angry and I get not wanting to work, but I don't get not working when you're being paid for it. So anyway, I started just ignoring her and we'll get back to that. It wasn't the right reaction, but we'll get back to that because I I want to talk about this. Let's go into the psychology of this because I'm sure that if you've been working for a while, you know that underperforming peer. You could probably list a list of names for me right now. And I'm here to tell you that if you want to be a manager and you are currently working with an underperforming peer, this is your litmus test. This is a test of whether you will be a good manager or not. And people, the senior leaders in your organization, We'll see if you overperform and get this right, they'll see you and they'll put you on that management track. This is a great test. And this is a test that happens pretty often, unfortunately. So when you have an underperforming team member, you can go one of three ways. You can compensate for their underperformance, which is what most people do. That's the number one thing people do is compensate for their underperforming peer. Lots of people avoid confrontation at all costs, and those costs include doing someone else's work for them. So that is the number one way to get around and work with an underperforming peer. Lots of us in college worked on group projects, and you would have that slacker. You would have that person who didn't pull their own weight. And most of the time, in order to put that project through, other people would pick up their slack and would do the work for them and compensate for that underperforming peer. Well, that is usually the first option. That's usually what you have to do in order to get the projects done. But that's not the only thing that you can do. And that is not the best option. So here's option number two. You can complain to their boss and hope that their boss does something about it while you look for that elusive perfect job without underperforming peers, right? So so you can complain and hope that their boss goes to them and remediates them and makes a big deal out of it and gets them to do their work, like puts the fear of job security under their butts. You can do that. That's option number two. Or, and here's option number three, you can do something about the underperformer yourself, like help train them motivate them and feel like an essential part of the team. 
So I'm going to focus on that last option. And I'm, I started the story the way that I did for a reason, because I went through every single one of these options myself in multiple different situations. And I'm going to tell you how it worked out in this story and what actually ended up happening. I could tell you a bunch of other stories too, but let's just focus on this one story because it showed to senior leadership that I was management material among all the other stories as well. But like, let's, let's just focus on this one. So in this situation, I had a key player who was an underperformer. She was giving bad advice. She was not doing any work. And the advice that she was giving me, I'm telling you, it was bad advice because I took the advice and it didn't work at all, at all. I mean, zero. I did something crazy. Want to hear? Instead of completing the Aspiring Manager's course, I started creating a course called the Promotion Handbook because I realized most of the people that I talked to wanted to get to the next promotion and didn't necessarily want that promotion to be a manager level. So if you are looking to get to the next promotion within your company, take the quiz below and apply to be a free beta tester for my next course, the Promotion Handbook. I will only take the first five people who apply and are accepted to be beta testers for the Promotion Handbook course. In exchange, I'm asking you to please review every single chapter or every single lesson and tell me what could be improved in the lesson and the activities. I'm looking forward to finding the first five free course takers for the promotion handbook. This is only for people who want to get to the next promotion in their current companies. Sign up at the link in this podcast episode description. So here's what my team ended up doing. I had a little, you know, I had like my, my second in command, who was our marketing manager he and I would talk about things and, and really come up with the plans together because a a product build plan is nothing without a go-to-market strategy and understanding the market. So in product, you have to be hand in hand with marketing at all times. I mean, from ideation onward. So he and I would sit down and talk about strategy and, and how to, how to do things. We came up with our own strategy and then started executing that. We would continue to have our conversations with with our underperforming peer, and we would argue our points and try to change her mind and try to get her involved and try to get her to do some of the work. Well, she kept having excuses as to why she wasn't doing it, so I did it myself. And, and my marketing manager did it himself too. So we did it. We didn't take her advice. We did it our own way, and it worked very, very well because we understood the market. We understood what they needed. We understood what they needed to see. We created a path for them to want our products. And so you see, what we did was we did her work for her. We compensated for her underperformance by doing all of her work for her. And I'll tell you what, she took credit for it. She took credit for it in a public forum that made my blood boil. Okay. So being the person that I am, 
you know, high and mighty. I went to my boss and I went to her boss and I complained about this in person, one-on-one, because you don't do it in a meeting. We've talked about that. And I started looking for another job. I was so mad. I started looking for another job. And my boss came to me and said, I understand that this has been a problem for a while. You've talked to, talked to me about it week over week over week. And we're going to do something about it. But unfortunately, we can't just fire her. So because the, the projects that she's been on have been going well because you've been compensating for her underperformance. And, and my thought was, what am I going to do? Shoot myself in the foot to spite my face? Of course I'm going to compensate for her. Of course I'm going to, to make this project go well in the best way that I know how. And so he taught me something. He taught me to try to remediate her myself to try to pull her into the team, to try to motivate her, and then to document every single step along the way. Every single step. So that's what I did. Yes, I continued to compensate for her, but I made it readily apparent whose idea was whose and who was doing the work. And then I I documented how much help I was giving her, how much training she was getting, how involved she was. I involved her in different motivational kind of meetings and and whatnot, and helped her feel like an essential part of the team. But I also, and here's a little bit of my, I think in one podcast, we've gone over Givers, Takers, and Matchers by Adam Grant and his wonderful idea there. I'm a matcher. And I knew that she was taking credit for my work and it was malicious. And so I I set her up to fail. That's what I did, guys. I set her up to fail because she still wasn't putting in the work. She was not changing her mind. She was claiming success for things that she advised us not to do and wasn't doing any of the work on it. And so it, it took about three years, but I, which is a long time to compensate for someone else. But I, I set her up to fail with all of that documentation. And, and within those three years, I ended up working with other people within her same role. And they came alongside and they really felt the motivation. They appreciated the training. They felt like an essential part of the team. They were given ownership as soon as I trusted them and saw results and saw their attitude and their work ethic. I let them go. I I didn't need to do the work. I wasn't a control freak, nor was I trying to breathe down anybody's neck. So I let them go and they thrived on the team. So anyway, one big caveat that I want you to hear through this, I was not assuming anybody's motivation. I did at the beginning. I'll admit that. I did at the beginning. I was pretty mad. And I want you to learn not to assume people's motivations. When you have an underperformer on your team, the number one thing to do before you jump to an action plan is to find out the motivation behind them being an underperformer. Were they trained well or do they need more training? Do they care about their role and performance? Are they intellectually able to do the job in front of them? So those are those are three questions to really evaluate, go through with an open mind, understand what is making them an underperformer. Because I'll tell you, in a previous role, I was just just talking to a friend of mine about another woman. 
She was an essential part of the team as well, an essential role on the team. And she was an incredible underperformer, incredibly bad at her job. And people would actively avoid her, actively avoid working with her. They didn't want her on their team. And I got stuck with her at one point through luck of the draw, probably. And I ended up taking option number two. Instead of compensating for her underperformance, I went to her boss because, you know, I didn't have the skills to do her job for her. I just knew that other people did it way better. So I went to her boss and I complained and I said, look at her work. It's awful. It is legitimately awful. So please, can you help her? I didn't know the, her motivation behind underperforming. I didn't know if she needed more training. I, I thought she cared about her role, but I wasn't sure. So I went to her boss and that was pretty much the only thing that I did. And it worked out very, very well. Her boss looked at her work and said, oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's pretty bad. So he went to her and trained her and she ended up being within a month. She was just missing some key training within a month. She was the best performer on her team. She had some of the best work on her team and that continued out throughout her career. So I'll tell you, when you are working with an underperformer on your team, there are two outcomes. Either that person can turn around and start to perform well, or they aren't going to perform well and something is going to happen to them and they can find a job where they will care about it. They will be intellectually able to do the job and they will be trained to do the job and they'll do it well. They can find that role just like you can find that role they can find that role too. So if they're not able to do their job, the number one thing, here's, I'll give you your flow, okay? Evaluate for yourself why they're not performing at the level that you think they should. And then understand that you need to check your expectations, okay? I'm, throughout this discussion, I've been assuming that that underperformer is actually underperforming. One reason to talk it over with their supervisor, which I'll tell you is step number two, one reason to talk it over with their supervisor is to make sure that your expectations match what they're told to do by their supervisor. Always check your assumptions and expectations. So number one, evaluate how they're underperforming. Then number two, go to their supervisor and check your assumptions and expectations. There could be something wrong with how you're viewing the situation. Talk it through with their boss. Figure out what's the underperformance in nature, right? What, what's really going on here? Then get a two-pronged plan together. Compensate if, if they are an essential part of your team. Compensate for their underperformance and document everything, okay? And number two, Try to get them to feel like an essential part of your team. Motivate them, train them, loop them in on, on strategy or, or something like that. Understand that they really could just be lacking training or a sense of being part of the team. They may not care about their jobs. And most of the time when somebody doesn't care about their jobs, it's because they don't care about the people they're working with and the mission of the team, the focus and the vision of the project or the team. So loop them in on that, figure out what inputs they have, give them a voice, understand their perspective because they have something to bring. 
Listen intently. Listen to them. You might be missing something too. And help them become part of the team and start performing at the right level. This has one of two, you, you'll have one or two outcomes. Either they're going to be great or they really can't do it for one reason or another. And when they really can't do it, your documentation is going to matter because they might need a push to go find another team to work on. Okay, that's it for today. And that's kind of, that's ending on a, not a very nice note, right? Is, uh, hey, you might go get someone fired or laid off. That's okay, that's okay. Hopefully what's going to end up happening is they will read the signs, they will they will read what's the situation, what's going on, and they will go find themselves a new job. Because if their boss is talking to them about underperforming, well, that's your sign. Go find another job. And while that person is finding another job, hopefully they're also trying to be better at their position. So here's your application. I hope you heard that as an application. Almost everyone has underperforming team members. And if you follow that flow, you are proving that you're not just another team member who's going to overcompensate for their underperformance. Instead, you are management material because you are doing something to fix the problem. Okay, have a great rest of your week. And I'm gonna find a schedule to record these podcasts because you should not be here in construction. And, and I'd like to get these out on time. All right, talk to you soon, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to Management Material. If you like what you're listening to, please rate us on iTunes. I track those ratings like I tracked my GPA in college. And let me know what else you want to hear about. I'm an open book. I can't wait to see you in the next episode.